that's what I search out when I'm looking for stories in art is something that is not contrived that yeah. I didn't know I wanted yet because it hasn't been made yet. Yeah. And I feel like what you're saying about um, like you've not only did you bring your uh, your artwork into your stories and that they're connected, but you're bringing like what you felt when you saw that thing, like you're bringing your personal experience like you didn't you had a whole experience with why well, I don't really care about Lamborghinis and then you yeah. got to see one and something happened in you and yeah. you felt like you felt it and you're like well now I want to bring this in you know like my experiences I want to bring into these stories so other people because I know what it is now like I understand it a bit more and that that's like the the best part of reading original stories and the best part of creating them is it's this beautiful way of like actually connecting as human beings because we're sharing not ideas that we have about the world and ideas that we have about people or or things or or the way things look is but how we actually feel about it and then we can connect on that deeper level and i think that's like you know that's what excites me the most about about storytelling sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room, which is absolutely in shambles. As you can tell, I'm recording from a different location this week. <laughs> so today, Ozzy and I have author, artist, and illustrator Josh Coley on the podcast. Josh is the author of The Stork, The Nightwalker, he writes poetry, and his poem, Misunderstood, can be read on his website. And coming soon, Tales of the West, his new comic book. When I look at Josh, your work, I think Aesop Fable meets Tim Burton. It's really cool. So welcome. I'm glad we can have this talk. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Um, so I have to ask. What were your writing influences with regards to everything with art, with writing? What, what influenced you? Um, it's a really good question. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of practical influences growing up. I grew up pretty isolated from most things. I grew up in the country. So I didn't have a lot of like, I, I didn't have comic books in my life. I didn't have a lot of novels or anything. I didn't have a practical education growing up either. Okay. I wasn't great at reading. So most of my influences early on came from film. Okay. And movies are still like my kind of bread and butter of where I love my entertainment is for movies. Like I, yeah, diehard movie fan. Um, so that's where like the love for storytelling came. It's where I could consume it as much as possible. Um, 
so if I, I did, I was obsessed with comics through cartoons. And if we ever went into town or went to a gas station, I'd get a comic and it'd be very like prized to me. Right. Um, so I'd really like study the artwork and I was fascinated with that, but, and it may have something to do with my style of art too, but I just, I had a lot of different random sporadic influences around. So my dad had a lot of like old West magazines that would have illustrations of, of cowboys and outlaws. And then I'd have, you know, the movies or cartoons, then a comic book here and there, uh, a lot of children's stories, but I've just always been fascinated with, with storytelling. So it was very, whatever I liked, I kind of pulled from as an influence. Um, I'd say for like art wise, one of the most, um, probably influential artists for interior comic books. Cause that's kind of what I'm focusing on at the moment is an artist by the name of Frank quietly. It's like a alter ego name, but his work I've just always found to be fascinating to look at when I saw his stuff and realized that you could really like craft a world that you got to live in and everything felt real, but it was very stylized and cartoonish, but still had enough weight to it that felt like really like you existed in this world. When I saw his work, I was, that fascinated me. And then people like Norman Rockwell too, where he finds that perfect balance of realism, but then just pushing it enough where it's, you know, it has that kind of extra style to it. So people like that for art influence anyways, I'd say for writing. Yeah. I didn't read a lot of books growing up or anything. So, you know, a lot of adaptations, movie adaptations, one of my favorite stories of all time, I just rewatched the movie. I hadn't seen it since I was younger, but is a film called Lonesome Dove based on a book by Larry McCurtry. Yeah. Yeah. That's like one of my all time favorite stories. Um, it's a Western six hour miniseries, but the writing and character in that is what I aspire. Like any of my writing that I want to do, I always want to have that level of, of weight to my story. And that to me is, that storytelling is like the end all be all for me. Right. So. Gosh, you're an author. You are just what you're saying there. Mm. Wait to your story. Yeah. Yeah. You want it to have substance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's, you know, it's so weird. Like as, as a writer, it's so easy to write, like, you know, this character felt sad or this character cried. And as a human being, you can empathize with that, but it's a whole other story to be like, make your audience cry at what they're reading. You know, that's kind of the game we're in. And yeah, after all these years of, of watching Lonesome Dove, watching it again as an adult still has that same weight. And then you can kind of be like, wow, okay, this impacted me as a kid. And even as an adult, I still have that same, same impact. So you kind of know that the quality is, is pretty, pretty heavy duty, right? Yeah. yeah. For me, it's not anything that I watched as a kid. And I've mentioned this show on other podcasts because yeah. I'm, I love going to movies and I got to say, yeah, I, I'm getting excited seeing the, the previews on TV now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was on Netflix and I've mentioned it before. It's the umbrella Academy mm. and it was first season, last episode bowling alley. And it was just the action and the mixture of action and comedy. Mm -hmm. And I still remember it. And yeah. for me, it's, when I can, I, my, I, I don't know if I've, I've done it yet, but I want to write a scene that impactful. Yeah. You know, like that's the goal. Yeah. I, I don't know if I've done that yet, but 
you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, when you're watching a movie and then you sit back and I just looked at my spouse and I said, that was a great scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You just know, right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. That was a good show. I I liked that first season a lot too. It's based on a comic book as well. That's right. And chemical romance. Was that the band? Yes. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with the stork. And I have to admit, when I started writing questions, I was thinking, where do I start? Do I start with, <laughs> do I start with writing? You know, so let's yeah. just start, start with the stork. Um, sure. I would like to read a few pages, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And when I read this story, if you're wondering what I'm looking at, because I'm not where my printer is, the questions I sent you, I have on my phone. Right on. <laughs> so, <laughs> the show must go on. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, like I said, when I read this story, and I hope this was taken as a compliment, mm-hmm. um, I thought of Aesop Fables because it's mm-hmm. like this whole other world. Okay. And and then we'll get into the Nightwalker. Okay. Sure. So I'll start reading a bit of it. And you are a poet. God, oh, I'm envious. I, I yeah. <laughs> Roses are red. That's me. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. The stork. The day has since come and gone. Dusk has settled and night is drawn. The fresh air sits so peaceful like the birds who rest upon the steeple. In the silence comes a soft and gentle breeze that carries itself through the trees to a house with an open window where a child rests his head upon his pillow. As he lies in the pale moonlight, which shines upon his head so bright, he sleeps in bliss with no morn nor sorrow, only waiting for the wonders of tomorrow. While a gust of wind drifts through their home, it whistles and hums in a lulling tone. Down the hall, just a few footsteps away to where his loving parents lay. And I'm gonna leave it at there because I know what happens, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, it's really, I've never heard anyone else read the poem um out loud so it's pretty crazy hearing my own story like that it's really cool thank you it's you have like the people i will have josh your website in Mm -hmm. the show notes um but when you read it with the illustrations it just it takes it to another like i say another world that's awesome yeah so how did that story come about what was your inspiration Hmm. Um, I guess it started with, it was technically I was uh, commissioned to some degree by another artist friend of mine. I met him through a local Comic-Con. He's from Nanaimo or Ladysmith, I believe. His name's Nevin Arnold. He, okay. uh, he has Hangman Comics as his own kind of comic company. He's a self-published guy. Yeah. And he wanted to do, he'd already published three or four comic books of his own. And he wanted to do a new one called Monsterella, which was all about you know, horror stories. And it was, he'd get like five or six different artists to contribute to one book. And it would be a book of short stories. And he asked if I wanted to be a part of that. And this was around 2017. 
that he asked me to do this. And I'd been studying art for, I guess, three or four years at that time, pretty diligently. Like I'd made up my mind that this is what I'm going to do with my life and I need to do it well. So I'd really been pushing myself for the last four years. And it was good timing because I was kind of fine. I hadn't done a full story yet. And I knew that was what I was working towards. And I just knew the undertaking of writing and drawing my own story would be an insane amount of work. So it was kind of finally at that moment where I looked and I was like, I, can, I think I actually can handle the weight of, of doing a full story. You know, I feel like I'm competent enough that I can do it. So I, I agreed to it, but then, yeah, I had to come up with a concept and I knew it had to be, you know, he was very open. He was just said, you know, the theme is kind of a horror genre uh, story, which I'm not a horror fan personally myself. Like I don't watch horror movies. Don't really like them. I like uh, like drama, suspenseful stuff is where I really lie. Um, I love Halloween and I love the feeling of that kind of like you almost want to exist in that world, even though it's a little bit frightening or maybe not even frightening, just spooky. It has that underlying tone, but it still is a story. Like it doesn't have to just sit within that horror genre and kind of move in and out. So that's that was my main goal is how can I write a horror story that I'd be interested in reading and that I would find interesting and that would be um I guess scary enough for how, you know, like that was a really hard, hard idea of like, okay, I, I have to write and illustrate this. I have no sound. I have no, I knew I didn't want to do dialogue. So it, was, it had to be a short story. Like the stork is 10 pages. And before I think it originally it was going to be like six or seven pages. And I'm like, I need at least 10. Yeah. So I'm like, how am I going to, I don't want to leave it at a to be continued. So how am I going to wrap together 10 pages, something that feels impactful that is somewhat eerie that you enjoy reading that gets suspenseful that has character but i knew i had to to do that i knew i had to cut out dialogue i knew if there was dialogue in there it would just i'd have to develop a character's voice and their thoughts and i knew so i'm like oh if i if i wrap the the emotion into a story you know uh, or into a, a poem in the story that would i think that would really that would pull everything together which ended up being kind of the hardest part of it because I'm like, now I have to write a, a poem that also has a narrative and illustrate it. So it was like kind of writing it two or three times yeah. in a different way. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was like the big challenge for me. Um, but the way the actual story came up was kind of uneventful. I was just thinking I had like three or four different stories I was shooting around in my head and I'm pretty good at gauging like, okay, this concept is pretty big. And I kind of knew that that concept couldn't fit within the 10 page limit. I knew that I couldn't get it done within, I think it was, I forget what the timeline was that it needed to be finished. So I'd kept like, I'd explore them, I'd write them a bit and then throw them away. Cause I'd be like, okay, that's too much. And then just the simple idea of, okay, well, what about, you know, an eerie, the heart of the story was, what if I take something and use kind of the jaws method of there's something eerie in this world. The world has a very interesting feel to it. Something's coming. It's building up. And uh, and you, there's a mystery to it. Mystery is very important, I think, in, in that thrill, you know. And what if I, the, the hook was, what if I pretty much write a children's poem, like a nursery rhyme, but add something sinister to it? And that was what, that was like the concept. And then I went from there and that concept intrigued me enough that that's how the story, you know, that I, once I hit that, I was like, Hey, that's really interesting. Yeah. And so that's, it snowballed right from there. And it was, I knew it was going to be like a fun, it was most work I've ever done on something, but it was, yeah, it was really cool. And then you mash the, the words up. 
with the illustrations. Yeah, that was the hardest bit. And that, you know, I have a, there's things about the stork that I obviously like. I'm like, oh, I could have done that differently. But the thing about that story is, is my first published piece of literature and, and artwork that went into a book. Yeah. But it was also the, you know, the first thing that actually like forced me to get something done. And I just learned so much from when I started it, I didn't have the experience. I'd drawn like a hundred first pages of a comic book and then I'd stop because I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. But this was the first time I had to commit, write a beginning and an end. And I just learned like, okay, I'm the writer and the artist. What do I do? Do I draw the whole thing out first and then add words? Do I write the whole thing like a script and illustrate it? And, you know, I had to develop my personal process during that. And I, you know, when I'm doing my story now, I immediately go back to those six months it took me to write and draw that story. Cause I remember struggling, like, do I just write the whole thing out or, and I'd go back and forth and I developed a process through that story. So that's why that story for me is so important is I actually developed the process that I still use now doing it, which looks a lot like I'll have a loose idea and I'll write them kind of out of order. Like I kept a little notepad with me and I'd take, I'd be like, oh, this would be great for like the middle of the story when things are getting amped up. And I'd write a poem bit there. And then I'd be like, oh, this would be good for the beginning. And then I'd kind of mash it all together. And then if I got a little tired of the story and I felt like I needed to visualize it, I'd start sketching characters. And so it was very chaotic and that's how I still do it now. And then once I felt like I could kind of see what was going on, then I'd try to merge it all together. So it's kind of chaotic, but it's like a collab. Yeah. It's like a collaboration with myself, (laughs) I guess, to a certain degree. Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. So then, no, I'm not going to get off on my tangent. I'm just thinking, <laughs> I kind of work. I talk about that a little later. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. okay, keep with the program, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now the Nightwalker. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, that was one I was telling my husband. I said, I showed him the illustration. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think of Tim Burton. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, you see this little bird up here? This little bird has goggles. That's Gregory. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> You know, so the Nightwalker, you have Gregory. It's totally different, totally different medium from the mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so what made you decide? Was it because of what was required for the book with the stork? To the medium you use there, which looks more ink? Like, is it ink? I did it digitally, but I do pen and ink stuff exactly. I, I at that time, had been working in pen and ink. Yeah. In that style, I've been developing that style for the last year or two. I kind of just like became obsessed with that look of that cross hatching and like fine detailed black and white ink work. Okay. Um, and then I just kind of felt like, oh, this would this would really work well with this story. Yeah. And I played around at the beginning stages of doing the stork. I played around with what uh, what medium I should use. You know, if it should be in grayscale or if it should be black and white or if it should be you know pencil or or what would look best. Yeah. Um, and I did, I landed on that because I felt like it, it kind of led the best to the story. So that's and, definitely why I chose that. And then I look at the Nightwalker and I love that illustration. So mm. what made you decide to go? Is that more, um, what is the term? D- digital art? The mm-hmm. Nightwalker? Yeah. yeah. Digital painting. And um, yeah, that one, the, that one, definitely the art came first. Okay. And I've done a few of those. So the I'll talk, talk in a bit about the poem Misunderstood, but they were written in the same way where I did the uh, the artwork first. Okay. 
And that's kind of fun because I can just focus as the artist. And, you know, yet there's a lot of time to think when you're doing art because there's so many processes. I'll sketch it out and then I'll move everything around and, you know, tighten it up with the lines and then add the color. And it takes quite a few hours. And when you're doing that, just naturally stories of like, who is this character? What's their like, what's their deal? I'll I'll realize I'll, I'll drift away into that that story for quite a while. And then once it's finished, I'll kind of have a concept. I'll be like, oh, I should actually like, that was like the first time that I kind of just decided, well, I'll just write something for this character because I kind of have a funny idea and it had just kind of a feel to it. Um, And yeah, so that was really kind of very spontaneous. You know, it wasn't really, wasn't intentional to write that story, but it came about through the illustration, which, which is really fun. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted the, that was the idea is to have the character be, you know, when you look at them, you kind of want to know more, right? Like the concept looks interesting enough. And I guess that was the very first concept was, you know, anytime I I go to a character design, it's like, well, how can I make the silhouette interesting? How can I make the character interesting to look at that? You just want to like, you know, yeah. Know more about that character. Well, the, 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 the big fellow book, I don't want to say fellow even, but the big almost mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, little Gregory. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going, so we're going to keep going more into your art. Then mm-hmm. we'll get back to the writing. Sure. Um, I look at your portfolio and I see digital art. We were mentioning the Nightwalker, that mm-hmm. illustration is digital art. Mm-hmm. I then saw Summer Special, which is really cool because it's this fierce woman in a yellow bikini. And that was another one. I said, this could be on the cover of Mad Magazine. Just yeah. that style. Okay. And um, I find I illustrate motorcycles and I love fashion and I use the Copic markers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people say, they can tell when an illustration is mine because of my style. Mm-hmm. Um, your portfolio is really varied. You know, like I, I can honestly say I basically do fashion and bikes. Mm-hmm. And I did illustrate a biker's dog. Okay. <laughs> so that was a commission. It was kind of neat. I thought, how, how does this, how does this tie in? How did she find yeah. me? And then I realized she's a biker. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah there you go. Yeah. So do you prefer one medium over the other? And uh, is it your goal? I think it's a great, great goal. You have, like I say, your portfolio is so diversified. Mm. So do you prefer one medium over the other? And are you trying to show that you can illustrate anything in any medium? Hmm. Yeah. Um, do I prefer a medium? I, I think so. I mean, like, I'm always interested in becoming comfortable with every medium so that I can use because they all kind of have their own advantages, you know. Um, I would say I'm primarily best in graphite, pen and ink, and then digital are the three. I I do do charcoal, but I find it quite difficult to control. And so it makes me want to master that. Um, I don't know if it's just curiosity that makes me... I'm, I'm pretty, like... Yeah, I have a hard time sticking to one thing. That's definitely almost a problem of mine. I feel like I may be more successful as an artist if I just stay on track with one thing, which is what I'm trying to do with my story right now, where it's like, hey, you can't be working on, 
you know, a pen and ink drawing, a oil painting, a this, a that, and that, and a story because it's just too much. You won't get anything done. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of just curiosity that makes me go down those those routes, and then I get very obsessive and want to like you know become as good as I can at that one thing. Yeah. Um, and there, I guess there is a bit of, yeah, maybe the challenge would be so nice to be able to work in all these different mediums. I don't know if it's like a goal that I set for myself ever. I think it's just accidental that I fall that way. And I think it does have to do with kind of my sporadic mindset that, you know, even when I'm working on my comic, like I, I work on like six or seven pages at a time. Cause I get really bored of one and then I have to jump to another one that almost refreshes my mind and I have to, and you know, I'll usually do that. I'll have two pieces I always work on. So maybe a traditional commission for somebody, and then I'll jump to my digital piece and I'll jump back and forth all day. So if I find, if I spend too much time on one thing, I just kind of get bored with it and I start making mistakes. Yeah. So it's almost kind of a nice way to, um, I don't know, help the way my mind works that might have something to do with it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> well, if anyone's and here's the thing, two things. First, if anyone saw how I illustrated a motorcycle, mm-hmm. it's I I can't just focus on the bike. I'll do a little here, and then do a little over here, and then a little over here, and just by the end, it's it magically comes all together, right? Pretty much, you know? yeah. Yeah, but um, the other thing you had mentioned charcoal. Mm-hmm. See, I used to do charcoal portraits as a teenager and I tried doing one all oh, about five years ago and it turned out all right mm-hmm. but I remember when I was done I was thinking this is hard how yeah. did I do this as a 16 year old you know because yeah. it's not as like I think of markers it, it's a easy it flows easy mm-hmm. the and you have a blender pen which you can then bring out like fade out color with charcoal. It, it's, it seems rougher and not as smooth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's to control the medium of charcoal seems really difficult, yeah. you know? And I find too, when I do um, graphite's nice because like I always build up my layers, you know, I start light and then I can just build up and add darker graphite's nice because you can really see those layers building up and then you can kind of find where you need to add those darker values but with charcoal it's like the moment you start blending it it blends out a lot and you lose that that darkness and you the only way you can really keep that darkness is to be very bold and where you're going to put those blacks are going to stay there and you have to be very precise you don't have that chance to erase as much and then keep layering up which is kind of my process So the nice thing about charcoal is that it really forces you to be more confident in like where you're placing everything. It's just really hard because if you mess up then it's like, oh man, like I have to start all over. Yeah. And I'd use my fingers to blend. (laughs) And that was the other thing. I remember I popped into an art store when I said I was going to do charcoal Mm. and I was looking and they had all these, like these, these, I don't want to say gadgets, but it was to blend the charcoal and i'm like yeah. what no one uses their finger anymore do you use uh because you were saying that um in one of your questions that uh that someone suggested watercolors for you so because yeah. you have your you illustrated your cover of your book right yeah, yeah. Is, was that watercolor or is that a marker the very first 
so here's what I was trying to do. Okay. The very first copy edition of the unravel of the unraveling, those were markers. So that's cool. the cover, which is Fantan Alley. Yeah. And the, you know, I have darker pink to lighter pink bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was trying to do was show that an artist, that an, an author can be an artist and create a cover. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I didn't realize though, that yes, you can do that, but um, for the general public, in terms of marketing and sales, um, if the reader doesn't understand what that book's about by looking at the cover, they're not going to buy the book, right? Yeah. So, so um, yeah, that was marker, and I did. I had he's he, he was at the Oak Bay Beach Resort Hotel. I was there with my friend Carol Ann, and it, Robert Amos was doing a residency at the hotel. And at that time, Carol Ann and I were, were doing, we're doing a critique session. And she said, bring, like, show me your latest illustrations. Okay. So yeah. I had my little, you know, ink, like my marker paper port, like I won't say portfolio because it's a book. Yeah. And she says, Oh, look, Robert Amos is here. Right. And I'm like, Oh, geez. You know, <laughs> like this is, his paintings go for thousands. Okay. Yeah. Says, let's, let's go, let's go look at his paintings. So we went and we looked and um, he started just talking to us. Very nice man talk, started talking to us. And then Carol Ann said, <laughs> you could imagine, she says, Joanna's an artist. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> little, I'm thinking, I am not doing what Robert Amos is doing, you know? And so he yeah. says, Show me your illustration, show me your art. And he had been listening to what we had been talking about. And um, then I'm just like, okay, I wasn't as confident. Okay. So that's when he had said to me, it was a very nice compliment. And he said, you know, you may want to think about switching to watercolors. Right. Hmm. And um, like he said, you've got it. You, you know, what, how to, how to draw and, you know, Mm -hmm. create a picture. Right. So um, I thought about it and I found in Victoria, there are a lot of people who do watercolors. And I just thought, you know, I I like, I don't know, maybe it's the kid. There's still part of it, the kid in me. I like the markers and I just like them. I mean, there's three, what, 350 markers. I don't have all of them, but I'm I'm about halfway there. So Yeah. yeah. You use Copics, you said? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can do amazing things with Copics. And like your stuff looks really unique and and works really well with the medium. So if oh. you're comfortable with it and you're getting the the yeah. you know the uh, end result that you want, then yeah. why change yeah. just for the sake of medium, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, so okay. I consider myself a drawer. Okay. I have tried painting classes, I have gone to painting classes with a painter and I found it difficult. I like, I like the feel of getting the pencil, Mm -hmm. drawing, looking at what I'm drawing, drawing it, erasing it. And I, when that drawing is done, and I know this term has been used far too much, 
But that is the only time I'll say when I see a pencil drawing that I think of it as organic, like that mm-hmm. is like the raw drawing. Mm-hmm. So I've always thought of myself as a drawer. drawer. That's probably not proper English, but anyways, um, how do you see yourself like as like you draw as well? Do you see yourself as a painter or I guess what I'm getting at is I always had troubles calling myself an artist. I always, I think of people like Robert Amos. I think of people with paints. I think of myself more as an illustrator. Mm-hmm. So do you think of, you see yourself more leaning towards drawing and illustrations or do you think, well, it sounds like one day you may get into doing paints. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. And I definitely think I would identify myself mostly as an illustrator. Okay. I think that's like my end game. Um, I almost don't do as much of it in terms of like sequential storytelling. So like my comic books, because it's so much work and I need a script and then I need to write the scripts. There's a lot of like build up to get to that, but that's always like, even in my paintings, when I'm painting something, I'm always trying to add a level of illustration to it. Cause that's my, that's my goal is to tell a story, even through a single painting, you know? And I do think naturally I have other friends where I, drawing and painting are very different skills they're almost yeah. it feels like a different brain working like when i'm doing my illustration or doing my line work i'm really focusing on you know like there's a lot of movement involved and a lot of a lot of uh structure that needs to be in place there where painting i can kind of paint over something and i can, can be a little more like almost feels like moving clay around you know and the so they're just very you, the restrictions are different so um but i and I, I like both i think there's things about them that i like both i kind of like where it takes you and and the different mindset you can get into and the different things the end result that you can get with them yeah but uh like i have friends that are artists that are man they can use reference and they can paint beautiful pieces that just seem like they just look so good you know and that's where their strength lies um like I, I do think in general there are two different kinds of artists you either like working from your head more or you like working from reference more and then you find your in between there i think you have to use both to some degree like i think everyone has to use reference to study and or if you're a portrait artist you use that reference to a t yeah. um, but as an illustrator you know you want to use reference so you understand anatomy and it but it, it's you once you understand that anatomy and have those references you're primarily come the, the things are coming out of your head you know and you have that fluidity to it and that i think that that organic element that you're talking about and that's i have a hard time forcing myself to use reference i do a lot because i know i benefit from it but naturally i've always drawn out of my head like i never really enjoyed looking at reference and stuff. I just know it gets me to where I want to go. I know the more reference I use and the more I study anatomy and perspective, I'll be able to draw out of my head better. So I can't, I use both, but it's always to funnel me to being able to be a better illustrator. That's really what I want. Cause I think of your comic, that fluid that there's on Instagram, you have the drawing of the comic and he's just like, so chill. Mm. And it is fluid. Like nothing is rigid. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And now I just I quickly wrote down while you were talking mm-hmm. when you're saying about feel like more like an illustrator. And I'm wondering, see, I grew up on comics. It was the Archie comics. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering whether it's 
those that influence of growing up with comics that uh, has had some, you know, has some influence, definitely a greater influence on what we do than we realize. Right? Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah, definitely. So with your comic book, okay, mm. that old cowboy from Tales of the West. And like I said, how you draw the human body, it is so fluid. It's not rigid. Can you tell us a bit about that comic book? Like you don't have to give too much away because I know it's a work in progress, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty early on, but I've I've got quite a, so the story is called, or the book is called Tales of the West. And it's going to be, hopefully, if I can get them all finished, I'd like to do five to six short stories within that one book. So each story has its own world, you know, has its own set of characters. They're all vastly different. The concepts of the stories are different. Um, and it, you know, the thing that I want to create with this story is the, uh, something that I don't see in other comic books. So like the big two companies are Marvel and DC, their stories, you know, you, they're going to keep writing Superman and Batman and Spider-Man and they'll do interesting things with it. And their the art's amazing and the writing is pretty good, but the storytelling in general, you know, Spider-Man's not really going anywhere. Yeah. You know what the stakes are. It's pretty routine at this point. Like we get the stories. We've seen it a lot. They've been around for a long time. Um, and I want to tell these stories that are interesting to me first and foremost, you know, the, uh, the old West and Westerns. I grew up on Westerns. That's, that's my, one of my favorite genres of all time. I grew up in the country, you know, my dad was a cowboy, so I grew up on ranches. So that's just something, the feel that I have. And I, I think there's a, an organic storytelling, um, element to Westerns that are very fundamental to human beings because it's before the technological time, you know, it's still close enough to us that yeah. it resembles what we know as civilization, yeah. but it's just before there's been too much interference by, uh, I guess, luxury and, and things that have kind of taken us away from survival. And, and they're very human stories. Every Western that I know, the Westerns that I love are centered around characters. You know, they're not plot driven stories. They're always very human in character. character and driven, that's, yeah. yeah, I don't really like plots in movies, like a very plot heavy film that's just all plot and then characters kind of drive the plot is not really what I'm interested in. Yeah. So I'm really trying to tell interesting character stories with this book, Tales of the West, and be able to match it with interesting art as well. Art that's not just pretty to look at, but um, hopefully that's there, but it really flows, you know, the story, it feels like, um, there's things that aren't out of place that every panel makes you feel something and, and, uh, pushes the story forward to where it needs to go. If it needs to feel faster, feels, you know, if something's in danger and, and, uh, add interesting color and character designs, every character has their own, their own, you know, characteristics, their own posture, their smile, their own mannerisms, you know, like, it's because, and I'm, I'm trying to take my time with that, with this story. This is, I'm, I'm trying, I'm hoping this will be the first kind of um, book in my career that, that shows if I can do this idea that I have for my career, which is, I really want to take the time to tell these stories and they're singular stories with people that have consequences and risks. Um, and I just take my time with it because the, the medium of comic books look the way they do and read the way they do pretty much based off of sales and time. You know, it's like uh, a comic book has to come out every month, which means you have to write 22, you have to draw 22 pages in a month. So that's about a page a day. 
So that's your limitations. You can't really go outside of that, you know, and the stories have to sell to their readers. And that's, that to me is what comic books are right now. And I want to see like, well, how much detail, how much life, how much depth can I put in, in something as simplistic as a comic book that kind of feels like a novel or feels like a film has that same, same weight, you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm attempting to do with tales of the West and we'll see what happens with it. Cause it's pretty early on still, but. Well, when the book comes out, we should get you back on here. For sure. Yeah. It would be neat to see it all put together. Yeah. Right? That'd be a lot of fun. And the other note I wrote down is, uh, gosh, when I was looking at your art, oh, it's been about three weeks since I've done any art. Oh, that's <laughs> you know, I'm looking yeah. at your art. And I'm like, I gotta get back to my art. You know, just, yeah, I got to get back to, I miss it. And mm. uh, I, I have some, illustri- I'm entering an art contest. It's a fashion illustration contest. Right on. So my David Doughton is a fashion illustrator out of the UK, mm-hmm. and I just love his work. So he's going to be one of the judges on this contest. Well, you can imagine the number of people who are going to be entering, but I thought it doesn't matter. Sure. It, I, I just, I, I, I got to get back to my art. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's artists definitely, I think, you don't necessarily choose to be an artist to some degree. It's just, it's something you have to do, right? Like it really, you do feel kind of lost without doing it after a while. Sad. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, when I do, when I'm drawing, I'm coloring, everything goes away. Like I can solve the problems of the world or else just poof, everything is gone. Right. Which is, Yeah. So you were talking about the panels and this got me on your Instagram page. Mm -hmm. You shared two panels from your comic book and you said you, you redrew one and you said, I wasn't enjoying the way it made the story read. Didn't really have a problem with the art. It was just the way it broke the flow of the story. So talk to me about that. What, what, when you looked at it, what didn't feel right? Yeah, that's a good um, indication or showing of how there's this constant conflict with the, I guess, illustration, writing, pacing of the story um, and how it's even like my rec recognizing that still wasn't like a, it didn't solve the problem because I, I put it out on Facebook and Instagram and got people's opinions. I asked a question on Facebook in an art group And a lot of people, you know, they're like, both panels look great, Um, you know, and then they started saying what each panel made them feel. Um, And I realized that that first panel almost was kind of important to the story. It was just, I was looking, because you have to look from panel to panel, how they blend into one another and how the eye follows them. So you're kind of, and how it matches with the story. But then as well, I kind of like to pull back into each page and see as a full page, what does that look like, you know? And do the panels start to look redundant and do they all kind of, are they all from the same um, depth away, you know, are they all close shots? So maybe sometimes that's fine and that can, that can be okay, but it can kind of start to all blend in and look a little boring. And I felt like the beginning of that story, uh, it's called three's a crowd. And the beginning of that story, there's a lot of desert and a lot of riding, a lot of talking. So it's a very, you know, slow paced, stagnant kind of, beginning to the story so 
I was looking at one of the panels and I was like, man, I don't want it to start to just feel too redundant. Mm -hmm. Like it's fine to understand that they're in the desert and they're riding and they're in the wilderness and it's supposed to feel slow and, and vast and open and that's fine. But I'd like to add just for a visual storytelling element to, to see something a little more interesting, you know, maybe it doesn't serve the most purpose to the story. And that one panel actually, in the end, I, I ended up using both panels. Okay. I found a way to add them both because that one was pretty much a, a long, far off panel. It was like a, not a close up. Yeah. Um, and it did, it kind of showed the vastness of where they are. And that was actually kind of important to the story. And then the second panel just showed a bit of, you know, uh, the animals, like the horse's uh, anatomy was a little bit dynamic and it showed a bit movement. I just felt like there was no movement happening for okay. at least three or four pages. And there's something about that that I just didn't like. I didn't like the fact there was absolutely no movement. I felt like there needed to be something in there, in there early on in the story, even if it's just the way the characters are moving to show that in this story, you know, these characters can move. It's not just the same shot over and over and over again. Okay. Um, so that was just my own personal choice for there. And you never know if it works out or if it's correct either, you know, like you don't know if it's the right choice to make because you're kind of just experimenting with it, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like if I find we as artists and writers are our own worst critics. So I think if we can, satisfy our, ourselves yeah. and come to terms with it, then, then, then we're good. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So on your Instagram, you write, I'm loving writing and drawing my own stories and characters. My aim is to tell interesting, engaging stories. Mm -hmm. Ones I have never read that I wished existed and draw them in a manner that wraps you into this world. Now, I find for me, uh, there are times when I can't separate the two. I can't separate the art from the writing. Mm. Um, the first book, the characters became bikers after I started. See, because the first book I wrote about 15, 20 years ago. So when I picked it up and started doing rewrites, I had then started illustrating women riding bikes. Mm -hmm. and when I started working on the book again, I thought they're bikers. They ride bikes. This is what my characters do. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, I can't, it, they, it just like, it creeps in. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there were, there was another time where I, I got to see, and I never knew what the big deal was until I saw it in person. There was a car show in Oak Bay mm -hmm. and a fellow had out his lime green Lamborghini Mira, which mm -hmm. I, Later found out there's like only 852 of these cars made. Wow. And uh, I, at first I've seen photos of it and I thought, what's the big deal? And then I yeah. saw this car. I don't want to say in person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I saw this car and I thought, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it now. Right. Why, why people like admire this car so I took a photo of it I managed and you can imagine Oak Bay on a Sunday pre-pandemic there are people going back and forth and I yeah. just waited with my phone and I think I had like three seconds and I clicked and I got a photo I illustrated it and then later this character comes about Oscar who's a drug dealer and it's like well what would he drive and I thought the Lambo it's yeah just, it's a no-brainer. It's the Lambo. So there, yeah. I find 
do you find that the art and the writing, it's almost like you can't separate it. Like it just is intertwined. For sure. Yeah. What well, I think like what I wrote there and what you're saying are very similar in the, in the sense, because I had a moment when I was drawing one of the panels of, of my characters yeah. and, um, and I'd been writing this character for a while and I kind of started to hear his voice and I knew what his perspective on life was. And then when I started drawing it, that started to merge together and, and uh, you'll see it in the story, but I, I found a way to add kind of a quirk to his, he has these, um, these strings that hang from his hat. Yeah. And then uh, they, they oftentimes rest in his bandana and every time he moves his neck, into, that's a way to add visual interest. They kind of move around or they fall out. And so you'll constantly see him grabbing them and putting them back in his bandana. And so it's a way to kind of like add that, that character to him. And it's kind of drawing, it's connecting that writing style and then the drawing style together. But while I was doing that, I realized why I love doing like writing and drawing stories together. Why I think that's always been my goal is that if I realize that like, I do a lot of like Ninja Turtles work and commission work and, you know, comic book characters that are in existence and I'll work for people. But I realized when I was doing that, I'm like, man, no one else could ever draw this panel. And this, because at first I had to write an original story that's based off of an idea that I have, that's going to be connected to my life and my personality and the way I feel and what I want to share because I have something to say. And then this artwork couldn't have existed without that. So it's like, literally I've gotten to a point where no one else can ever create a million times out of a million. No one could ever create what I'm creating right now. Like it's completely, truly original. And that excites me to keep going. And then that excites me to share with people. Cause I know that's what I search out when I'm looking for stories and art is something that is not contrived. That's yeah. I didn't know I wanted yet because it hasn't been made yet. Yeah. And I feel like what you're saying about um, like, you've not only did you bring your, uh, your artwork into your stories, and that they're connected, but you're bringing like what you felt when you saw that thing, like you're bringing your personal experience. Like you didn't, you had a whole experience with, well, I don't really care about Lamborghinis. And then you yeah. got to see one and something happened in you and you yeah. felt like you felt it. And you're like, well, now I want to bring this in, you know, like my experiences I want to bring into these stories. So other people, cause I know what it is now. Like I understand it a bit more and that that's like the, the best part of reading original stories and the best part of creating them is it's this beautiful way of like actually connecting as human beings because we're sharing not ideas that we have about the world and ideas that we have about people or or things or or the way things look is but how we actually feel about it and then we can connect on that deeper level and i think that's like you know that's what excites me the most about about storytelling okay yeah. okay yeah. well just a footnote, this Lamborghini was designed like it looks like in 1968. Lime green with royal blue leather seats. I know it sounds. <laughs> That's crazy. So you can tell I don't draw or illustrate gardens. It's cars. And mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. why is why? Why cars? What was where that come from? That came from. It, it actually was my very first commission. Mm. Um, Lisa Verhagen from Victoria. I knew, I know her and she saw some of my art, the early work. And she asked me if I would, she commissioned me, asked me if I would illustrate her husband's sprint car. And, uh, I, st I remember I started doing that commission. It was about 
uh, two weeks after I had my LASIK eye surgery. So I was trying not to stare too long, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's for me, it's little things. I remember with that one, it's drawing <laughs> this big fat tire okay that was cool okay yeah and and believe it or not i'm a person who loves the color pink too okay i know this, people are gonna find this hard to believe but <laughs> it, was, it was the tread on that on that tire and then it was i remember blending out some of the color to make it look fat right this mm -hmm. this back tire mm -hmm. and uh for and the other thing for me with motorbikes so i went from cars because i used to be a fitness instructor a fellow fitness instructor I knew rode a bike and I saw her standing by her bike and I thought, damn, she looks strong and powerful and yeah. like, she's going to take on the world. Yeah. And so I asked if I could illustrate her by her bike. And for me, it's when the light hits the inside rim of the bike. And when the light hits the pipe, it's the colors like that you can see that mm -hmm. It's gray is not a, a metal pipe is not gray. It's everything that is reflected. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's looking at a gas tank and looking at the colors and thinking, wow, there's, this may start off red, but then it goes into fuchsia, then it goes into pink. So that's why. That's like. Yeah. So it's just visually interesting to you, right? Like those. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's cool. I'll never draw gardens. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's um. Did you? So, do you consider? I guess hard question to answer. But do you consider yourself more of a writer and artist, or did one come first? Like, did you start writing first or doing art first? I have gone. Oh gosh, see, I started. I can. I think back of grade eight and charcoal drawings, but also on my mom's manual typewriter typing stories. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still go back and forth. Like just, yeah. I think a month ago, I thought to myself, the writer came first. Okay. Like I'm always yeah. thinking up stories. So I'd say on this day of the recording, I think I'm, I'm a writer. The writing came first before the art. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. How about you? Definitely the art. Yeah. Um, I didn't do much writing as a kid. Um, I was always interested in stories, but like I, I still to this day remember as early as possible just drawing. You know, that was my form of communication and kind of storytelling. I actually didn't really start writing. Like I was horrible at writing and I was horrible at school too. Okay. Um, did awful in school, reading, writing, everything I was really bad at. And it wasn't until about, I was probably like 21 when I actually started like deciding I wanted to learn how to write. You know, like I was so bad at, like, I was just so bad at, was not a strong reader. And that's how I started writing more as I started reading more. Cause I'm like, well, that's a good way to strengthen my skills. And then I just knew that I loved the form, like storytelling. And I knew writing was the way to get like, you know, that bridge to get from the ideas I have, my art and telling the stories I want to tell. So it's just a necessity. I have to learn how to write, but yeah, I mean they're both. I love them both, and I'm 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 finding now I'm I'm loving writing a lot more than I'm getting better at it. You know, I'm finding it very enjoyable. Yeah. Well, as a child, I hated to read mm. um, to the point where, and I've 
on, I think I mentioned this on another podcast where my mother said to my older sister, can you find her a book that she will like, that she will read? And yeah. it was that one story that it was like a, a switch, you know, and then I was, it, like you said, it was the story. Yeah. yeah. What story was that? I think it was the Bobsy Twins oh, cool. <laughs> adventure. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Cause yeah. I haven't read your book, but my mom has read it. She told me about it. Yeah. And your, your first book, I believe it is right. It's kind of like a, a mystery. It's a, segment. it's a thriller. There's yeah. There's action. Lots of yeah. there's chases. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So yeah. yeah. Right on. So what is your ideal goal? So my uh, we're just talking here my mm. goal is to one day have one of my motorcycle illustrations featured on a motorcycle magazine sure. or a fashion illustration in a fashion magazine what is your ideal goal mm. yeah that'd be great um what is my goal i think my current goal right now and i'm always trying to build slowly to my long-term bigger goals. And it really is to have, to be able to write and draw my own original independent stories. Good. I have like my biggest issues. I have five or six stories that I've started writing that I have concepts for that I've designed characters for, but I just don't have the time, you know, the following the money. Cause they take so much time, yeah. you know? Um, and like during the summer, I always, I work construction. So that's my other job. So I have to find, make sure I have the time between my life and work, but I, I want to find a way that stories come first. You know, that's my life is that that's what people know me as is that I write and draw these original stories. Um, and I have a publishing company or a comic book company that I've had a logo for, for the last three years that I haven't been able to do anything with. Cause I want, I, I really believe in like the logo and the design and the, the name of the company. So my end goal is to start this, this company. It's, I don't expect it to be big in any way. Like that's not my end goal. It's just a nice stamp to show like, these are all this, this is the type of stories that you'll get. This is the quality that you'll get. You know, I've devoted the last eight, nine years of my life to building up to these moments of becoming a better storyteller, a better draftsman, artist, writer. And it's all to lead towards that idea that I'm, hopefully financially independent and I'm hopefully rewarded for the efforts I put in to those, um, to those stories. And hopefully, I mean, the main thing is that those stories are great. You know, the art's great. The storytelling's great. That's the main, that's my main goal always. And then I just hope that I have that freedom to keep creating these, these stories, you know? Um, so that's my end goal for sure. Cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> dream, right? <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So a fun trivial question here, and I'll explain where this came from after you, yeah. after I want to hear your answer. Okay. Fun trivial question. You're sitting at your art desk creating. Yeah. You have a cold coffee, a cold tea, or let's just throw in a cold beer at the corner of your desk. Definitely coffee. Yes. Yeah, I love I love my coffee. Like I look forward to starting my mornings. And if I have the day off, like the coffee is the first thing I do. And then I'll usually read or write because for some reason in the mornings, I have a lot of ideas and reading and writing and having my coffee in the morning is one of my favorite things. And then I'll probably start working on art. Um, and then I'll have if if my stomach is 
not feeling well, I'll do chamomile tea is my other (laughs) go-to. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's coffee. And the reason why I asked that is because so many times I've been at so many times, I mean, I'll be writing or I'll be creating art and I'll just, I'll go like that, reach for the coffee. And it's like, Oh, that's cool. (laughs) You know? Yeah, you just lose lose track of time, right? You think it was like five minutes, and then an hour goes by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, Josh, this has been great. Uh, yeah. to talk about art and writing, and just totally getting. It's like the other day I'm working on such the fine edits with book two, mm. and you know, Ed's looking at me and he says, "Haven't you read and proved that enough?" And I said. And you'll understand this. Mm-hmm. I said, this one line, I have to get this one line in the beginning somewhere, or it has no impact. Mm-hmm. Read it at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one line and you get that. Right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And those aren't tr- like people think that they're just little nitpicky things, but they're not, you know, like they're not trivial things. They matter to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they That's may, and they could, they can make like, it can be one line or one brush stroke that completely ties everything together. That last moment, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's all how, uh, so are you pretty close to being done your second book then? Eh? It's I'm going to launch it September 18th. Whoa. So it's, it's yeah. One, one more read. And that's then awesome. it's looking like it's going to be at the uh, coast hotels in Victoria. Ooh, nice. And uh, it's now, schedule for it's i've been contact contacting the printers island blueprint i will give a shout out to them because uh they're really good they're really good they'll be doing the printing right on and um there's a whole there's a whole nother world with that with being an indie author which it's i like the control you know yeah you have all control (laughs) Yeah. yeah and it's the different stories I'm reading, you know, I'm, I think everything I've read just about is from an indie author. Yeah. It's just the different stories. Right. So, yeah, for sure. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on your second book. Thank you. That's pretty great. Anything you'd like to add and definitely where can people find you on social media? Um, I don't think I have anything to add. I just had a really awesome time talking with you. My first podcast. That was really enjoyable. Um, but yeah, you can just find me joshcully.com, Josh Cully on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and everything. Okay. Um, and yeah, hopefully I'll have some, some full, I'm going to upload about eight pages of my first, uh, short story on my website for people to read. Cause it's going to be about 13, 14 pages, that first one. Um, so hopefully that'll be up soon. People yes. can enjoy that. Yeah. And yeah, Stork is free on my website. All, all of the stories that I have as of now, people can read on my website. Okay, cool, cool. All right, Josh. Okay, well, we'll see you later. Hey. Yeah, thanks again. Okay. Bye. Hey.